You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production in association with City News. I don't know how to explain today's episode to you other than like this. Do you remember the Ikea monkey? Well, this next story had a whole lot of people today saying, what? Are you serious? It's about the monkey in the sheepskin coat who was wandering around an Ikea parking lot in Toronto. Turns out his name is Darwin, and when word and pictures got out about him, he fast became an international sensation. That monkey is just the tip of an incredibly strange iceberg. Yes, the Ikea monkey was a cute story. It's fun to remember. Years later, how adorable the little guy looked in his coat. But you want to know what made the Ikea monkey possible? The same lack of laws that mean that right now, there are a bunch of lions in Ontario. And we don't know where they are. We don't know who has them. We don't know how those people are caring for them, if they're caring for them. We don't know where those lions, yeah, lions, are going to turn up next. And that's not even a unique situation, really. It is just another day in the odyssey of roadside zoos and exotic animals and the almost total lack of regulations around both those things. It is a situation that exists only in Ontario. It's wild. Literally. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Grant LaFleche is a member of the investigative team at the Toronto Star. This was quite an investigation. Hi, Grant. Good morning. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm really glad we get to talk about this story. So thank you for joining us. (laughs) It's a little off the beaten path. Why don't you start by telling us all, who was Tamara the Tiger? Well, uh, Tamara the Tiger was um, about a three and a half year old Bengal tiger. Uh, she was about 90 pounds, which if you've ever seen a tiger, like a full-grown adult tiger at the Toronto Zoo, is a little small. Uh, she had a pronounced scar that ran along the bridge of her snout. And uh, she lived in a roadside zoo in Maynooth, Ontario, which is just on the fringes of the Algonquin Forest. And uh, she died uh, last, uh, well, she died in 2021, in the winter of 2021, at the hands of a pride of lions. That is what is agreed upon about her death. Now, can you kind of illustrate what we still don't know, what people are still arguing about in terms of how she died? Right. So um, when we dove into this story, the, my colleague who worked on the story with me, a uh, reporter by the name of Sarah Krukal, had got her hands on an OPP inspection report. The, after the Tamara died at this roadside zoo, the police showed up a few days later. According to that police investigation, uh, what they think happened was some tiger or some lions had tunneled under the fence of their enclosure. And their enclosures were these lumber and wire fence enclosures. And they're quite small. And had got into the enclosure where Tamara the tiger was and ate her. Yeah. According to the tiger's owner, a gentleman by the name of Mark Drysdale, that's not what happened. He believes she got through this swing door, basically a, a large doggy door that separated the space she was in from where the lions were, and he had left that swing door unlocked. And so she squeezed her way through that door into the lion cage. 
I don't know that it matters in terms of, for instance, the uh, animal welfare charges that Mr. Drysdale later faces. I think in either case, it shows the way these roadside zoos are simply not as safe for the animals or for the public as something like the Toronto Zoo is. I think most people right now are wondering, what the heck kind of zoo is this? And even more importantly, who is Mark Drysdale? So what can you tell me about him and this zoo? And then we can get into his history. Sure. So, I mean, to kind of answer your first question, a roadside zoo is essentially exactly as it sounds. It is a zoo of some fashion, uh, not like the Toronto Zoo or the Calgary Zoo or something enormous like the San Diego Zoo. They tend to be very small facilities, sort of homespun, uh, ramshackle uh, type facilities that are built on roadsides, usually on private property. Uh, and they, we can get into this in a bit if you like, but they don't operate under the same standards as a traditional zoo. Oh, we will get into that. <laughs> yeah, and we should. But specifically to Mark Drysdale, he's had three of these operations across Ontario since 2013. The first was in a small town about half an hour out of Niagara Falls called Waynefleet. Uh, there were several issues there that ultimately prompted him to leave the Niagara region and set up again in Grand Bend uh, around 2018-2019. That didn't last very long because the municipality pushed him out. And so he ended up in Maynooth in Hastings Highlands, uh, where uh, he set up another roadside zoo. And at this point, uh, his traveling menagerie of lions and tigers and monkeys and water buffaloes and a couple of other things uh, resulted in the tragedy of the death of this tiger at, at the paws, the fang and claws of his lions. Why was he pushed out of those other places? And, you know, when you say the municipality pushed him out, um, what does that look like? Like, is it a, a standing order? Or I'm just trying to figure out sort of what the legal ramifications or regulations are. Yeah. So big, big picture. There are no bans in Ontario for uh, dangerous and exotic animals. So you or I, presumably, if we could find someone to give us or sell us one, uh, we could own lions, tigers, alligators, uh, cougars, a, a, you know, overtly dangerous predatory animals. And that's legal. And it's legal. I mean, it's it, one of the things that, that comes across in this reporting that Sarah and I did was that it's you, you can't get a pit bull terrier in Ontario because there is a ban. I know the premier has talked about revisiting this. Uh, and dog owners generally, uh, many of them are not happy about it. But the fact remains, right now in Ontario, you can't buy a pit bull terrier. You could buy a lion. Right. So you can't get a species. And I know they're like, I, I don't want to diminish the issues that have, have arisen around pit bull terriers and, and that, no, that it's no. an entire separate debate. But the fact is a lion is an apex predator. A tiger is an apex predator. Generally, this is not something you want in your living room, right? Yeah. He's able to, Mark, Mr. Drysdale and others like him are able to set up these sorts of zoos in Ontario, provided the municipality does not have a bylaw itself banning them. And that's kind of important to understand Mr. Drysdale's history. So he sets up initially in Waynefleet, as I said, that facility was open to the public. He had open houses and so on. And there were something like 17 scratching and biting incidents involving monkeys, a donkey, and eventually a lion. Uh, at one point, and the, the most severe of all of them was when a six-year-old girl was mauled by a Canadian lynx Jesus. that had got out of its enclosure 
and had uh, mauled the girl's face. Now, Mr. Drysdale blames the girl. Um, you know, this is not the view of the family, of course. Even Mr. Drysdale at the time, back in 2000, was it 2016, uh, admitted that the enclosure was not safe enough, though he blames the, the little girl for having, you know, pushed on the glass or something. But again, imagine if you went to the Toronto Zoo and you pushed on the glass at the tiger enclosure, yeah. the tiger is not going to be able to leap out and eat you. Um, but it, in, in this case, the lynx did get free and mauled this, this little girl. Eventually, what happened in Niagara was the public health department, after a number of these incidences, had declared it unsafe for the public to have access to Mr. Drysdale's animals, either on the actuals at the actual zoo or if he brought his animals off site to visit, you know, an old age home or something. They weren't allowed to visit them there. That eventually prompted him uh, to pack up and leave. And we're not sure the exact date he left because uh, about a year after the order that no members of the public could go have contact with his animals, there was this odd bite report from a Brantford hospital that eventually got sent to the Niagara Public Health Department because Mr. Drysdale was still listed as a Niagara resident. And in this particular case, uh, the medical report said he had been bitten in both forearms by a lion. And so this was a rabies report that eventually found its way to Niagara Public Health. And when they went to the Waynefleet Ranch to follow up with him where he had a zoo set up, the place was abandoned, the gates were open, and he wasn't there. Uh, and then we know he later moved to Grand Bend. The Grand Bend issue what happened very quickly. So when you ask, what does that look like? It was much different than in Waynefleet. Waynefleet, it was public health stepping in and saying, this mm -hmm. is unsafe. You know, they can't get rid of the animals, but the public can't come anywhere near them. Grand Bend basically said, we don't want these apex predators in our community. And they moved very fast to pass their own exotic animal bans. And once that was passed, although Mr. Drysdale tried to challenge it in court, the judge rejected his um, objections to the bylaw. And so they had to have the animals out or they would have been, uh, they would have been taken away uh, by the Humane Society. When he moved to Maynooth, it was the death of the tiger itself that caused the end of that zoo. Was that zoo open to the public? The, well, the Grand Bend one really wasn't. He did have visitors there. We know that from videos and photos that Sarah and I found on social media, but it wasn't open to the public in the same way uh, Waynefleet was. And it was sort of the same deal with Maynooth. It was open much longer. It was there much longer than the Grand Bend facility. Uh, but it wasn't sort of like you could just roll up to his house and go visit the lions. He, he wanted to. He said he wanted to build this safari experience where you would stay in a yurt mm -hmm. uh, and you would then somehow, it, it struck me kind of like a Jurassic Park situation where you would kind of ride around and, and tour the animals in, in, the, in this jungle, in this forest setting. I'm not going to any park that gets described as a Jurassic Park kind of setting. <laughs> <laughs> well, we already had the one escape links, right? So yeah. ultimately though, he did have, and again, we know in Maynooth, he had lots of visitors. He had uh, friends who he would put in the cages with the lions and the tigers Ultimately, though, once Tamara was killed, and there was a, there were some other issues there we can talk about about what happened that day because it's a really strange and interesting story. But once she was killed, um, the zoo itself was dismantled. His animals were sent elsewhere, and right now, uh, and I went up to visit him in in Maynooth. Uh, the zoo is gone, and the animals are all gone. Now Hastings Highlands has also passed its own exotic and dangerous animal ban. So he wouldn't be able to set up there now, even if he brought the animals back to the property. 
Um, but there's really nothing to prevent him, should he acquire his animals again, to go to another community that doesn't have a, an animal bylaw ban and set up again. What do we know about how he cared for these animals? And I mean that in terms of like their own welfare and whether he was qualified to do that, um, but also just it sounds incredibly expensive to keep setting up and tearing down and feeding and maintaining and caring for apex predators. Like, where's the money coming from here? And and has he ever been accused of mistreatment of the animals? Well, he currently faces, uh, he and his ex-wife, Tammy, uh, whose full name is also Tamara. She, the lion is her namesake. The tiger. Uh, the, the dead tiger. Yeah, excuse me. The dead tiger is, is, uh, is her namesake. The two of them both currently face multiple charges under uh, the Paws Act, which is an animal welfare act in Ontario. So while there are no bans of exotic and dangerous animals at the provincial level, there is provincial enforcement legislation that says you have to care for your animals, although the description of that level of care is very vague. Uh, so they're facing those charges. Those charges uh, you know, were about improper care of an animal and causing animals distress. Uh, that's still to make its way through the courts. Mr. Drysdale uh, insists he's done nothing wrong and intends to prove that uh, when he eventually uh, uh, goes to trial. Uh, in terms of the general care of the animal, I mean, one of the things that Sarah and I found in our investigation was, I mean, there were a number of things that just ran contra to what you would see at a place like the Toronto Zoo, which we used as a point of comparison. Mm -hmm. So just in terms of training, um, the the Toronto Zoo you know, just to get hired at the Toronto Zoo to do anything involving the animals, whether they're dangerous animals or not, you need to have uh, minimum a bachelor's degree in either zoology or veterinary science. Uh, you need to work for a couple of years at an animal rehab center or uh, at another accredited zoo just to get hired. If you're somebody who's eventually going to work with a dangerous animal like a tiger, you then have to go through a couple of additional years of training and sort of apprenticing at the zoo in order to be able to uh, work with something like a tiger. And then even then, they never touch the tigers. They never actually go hands-on into the enclosure with the animal. You're right. probably familiar with things like Tiger King or um, the crocodile hunter, right, who were <laughs> constantly hands-on with these dangerous animals. Um, that doesn't happen at a place like Toronto Zoo where there's always a barrier, even if for some reason they need to handle a tiger for medical purposes. It's through a barrier. They, they're not in the enclosure alone with the animal, even when it's sedated. At Mr. Drysdale's zoos, he's constantly in these much smaller uh, dirt wire and lumber enclosures with them. He's constantly touching them. He sort of wrestles with them. He pets them like they're, you know, your, your average domesticated cocker spaniel. Uh, he, he acknowledges that they're dangerous, but at the same time, he will do things like turn his back on them because he feels it's safe. You know, he says you couldn't do it, but he can. Um, there's videos of him kicking his tiger in the throat, one what? of the tigers, when he felt it was getting too uppity. Uh, it was, it, he has two tigers, Tamara, who's dead, a larger one named Tony. Right. And, um, at one point, Tony starts to paw at him with, you know, with his, with his front claws. And Drysdale kicks him in the throat in in the video. How is this guy still alive? Well, I mean, you know, you look at something like Siegfried and Roy, who had a captured tiger for yeah. years, and I mean, eventually the tiger gets one of them and kills them. One of the issues that that Sarah Crookle zeroed in on um, in our investigation was an incident where 
Tamara the tiger was scratched by uh, her neighboring lion, a great big male lion named Odin. Uh, and he had actually scratched her through the cage, leaving a big gash on her hip. And there's a whole video where Drysdale is using this veterinary antiseptic spray on it. And he's showing her wound off to the camera. Um, all of this is stuff that would never happen at the Toronto Zoo. And when I asked Mr. Drysdale, you know, like, what are your qualifications? Do you have any advanced degrees in zoology or veterinary science? He said, no, there's no training for this. You, there is no course you can take, which, of course, the, the Toronto Zoo would disagree with. Uh, in terms of his money, that's a much more open question. I, we did ask him, like, this is, as you pointed out correctly, you know, you've got a bunch of animals. You know, at one point he had a full menagerie, several monkeys, a donkey, a water buffalo, lions, tigers, uh, lynx. So none of this is, none of this is cheap. And so when I said, well, where are you getting the money? He claimed that he made a very good living as an engineer and that worked for Boeing and had worked for uh, a couple of other big uh, companies. And when I asked where he got his engineering degree, he said he didn't have one, that he self taught, that he fixes snowmobiles. Uh, he also claims to be a world-class archer who can, you know, like Robin Hood, fire an arrow at a tree and then okay. split that arrow after it's uh, sunk. He also does not appear in, in world archery rankings, if anybody's interested. Yeah. So it's actually unclear where he's getting his money, because not only does he have to buy and feed these animals uh, and build these enclosures and move them from place to place, he, he's also been buying property. Right. Um, you know, the, the properties in Waynefleet, Grand Bend and Maynooth, uh, they're not, you know, they're not a huge estate, but they're larger than, say, your average suburban home would be on. Um, and it's, it's a little unclear to us uh, both where he's getting his money and kind of sustaining it uh, and, you know, where he's able to acquire the animals. Well, that was going to be my next question is, um, since it's not illegal, um, let's say I wanted to replace the little kitty that's on my desk here next to me with an apex predator like a lion or a tiger where would i acquire one of those and and how much would it cost me mr drysdale says that he's acquired his animals at different places uh he's either rescued them he claims he's rescued them from other owners uh in the case of tamara he said that he got her off a movie set in vancouver the, the curious piece of that is ontario is the only province in canada that doesn't have a province-wide ban on exotic and dangerous animals in private ownership. So if he did acquire her in Vancouver, he somehow got her in BC, transported her to Ontario across juris, you know, yeah. four jurisdictions, which ban tigers. So it's, that's not clear. There are auctions that, that happen where exotic animals in Ontario are sold. And so there is a bit of an underground trade in these animals that goes on. And as it stands right now, the province of Ontario doesn't seem to have any interest in putting in a ban for exotic or dangerous animals. They are uh, leaving it up to municipalities to deal with it. And most municipalities, it's either reactive, as in every almost every case that involved Mr. Drysdale, mm -hmm. uh, or they don't have really the, the means to do effective enforcement because small municipalities like Hastings Highlands don't have deep pockets and they have a very small number of bylaw officers, even the provincial officers responsible for enforcing the Paws Act, um, their maximum number of people they have on staff at any given time is a hundred for the entire province, and they just don't deal with you know the really strange exotic animals. They're also dealing with you know cats and dogs and and regular mm -hmm. uh, pets who who may may be in distress. 
We mentioned at the beginning that we would talk about um, regulations or lack of them. So we know that there is no ban in Ontario, which is insane, but okay, there's not. And municipalities can ban them as they will. What kind of regulations, if any, govern like opening these things as zoos and inviting members of the public to engage with these animals? Like, is there anything? Is there anything that prevents him from trying to make another Toronto zoo? I guess I'm trying to figure out the difference between them. Okay, well, the difference between a roadside zoo and something like the Toronto Zoo boils down to their accreditation. So most large zoos in North America belong, uh, they're accredited by a group called AZA. It's the American Zoo and Aquarium uh, Association. There is also CASA, which is the Canadian version of that. Um, okay. But AZA is kind of the gold standard, and it does a couple of things. It's it's not enforced by law. This is voluntary that these these zoos use. But it it makes sure that standards of care for animals are the same, you know, whether you're in San Diego or Toronto, uh, A, and B, uh, it also is useful for breeding purposes because some of these animals are endangered. And what accredited zoos, part of their thing is – they want to maintain a certain population of these animals because if they ever need to be reintroduced into the wild, because mm-hmm. they're, you know, the actual natural population of these animals has declined to a critical point, they'll be able to do so. And there's a proper level of genetic diversity in, in. So if you're basically, if you're dating, uh, you're a lion who's dating in the Toronto zoo, life for you is very complicated. You can't just jump on Tinder or right. something like they're going to set your dates up for you with a very specific lion uh, elsewhere based on the genetic profile. There's no accreditation for a zoo like Mr. Drysdale's. So if someone has these animals and wants to set up a roadside zoo, provided there is no bylaw that either is banning the animals or um, overtly says by zoning, you know, this is zoned residential or it's zoned industrial, so you can't set up a zoo there. Those are the only barriers. So if you find a piece of property in a municipality that's not zoned, that blocks you, and there's no bylaw to ban your animals, you're good to go. Beyond Mr. Drysdale, what do we know about how many exotic animals are in Ontario or how many of these roadside zoos exist? Um, The first thing that came to my mind when I wrote down this question was like, is that how we got the Ikea monkey? It's exactly how we got the Ikea monkey. Ikea monkey would not have become a delightfully bizarre news story uh, had there been bans on exotic and dangerous animals. I mean, one of the things that was in our uh, story at the Toronto Star, and it had just happened as we were finalizing uh, the the uh, the copy for the story, was the OPP in Caledon found an allig- a large alligator corpse of a large alligator and five large snakes, like anaconda like snakes, in a ditch. You know, these animals had been in someone's care and had either died or had been killed, and then their bodies were dumped um, on a, on a roadside. So we just don't know how many there are. We don't, and that's the point. There, there is no way to know. Um, sometimes when there's bylaws, they will give you a, an option as an owner of these animals to grandfather yourself into the bylaw. So there might be a ban, but they'll say, oh, well, you know, Joe already has big snakes, so you can keep them as long as you register them with us. And what we found was in many cases, even though they'll have public information sessions, the case of Thorold in Niagara is a perfect example. When they passed their exotic uh, animal bylaw that banned these animals, that a grandfathering clause, that a public information meeting, about 40 people showed up, most of which had animals, most of which uh, happened to be reptiles. And when the bylaw was finally passed, only one person registered their animals in Thorold. The rest did not, which means there's no way to track them, which means also, by the by, that if a paramedic or a firefighter 
or a police officer responds to a house, they'll have no way of knowing if there's a dangerous exotic animal in that house. So we don't know how many roadside zoos there are in Ontario because of lack of regulation, and we don't actually know how many of these animals are in private ownership in the province, again, because there's no regulation or registry to track them. And you mentioned that uh, Mr. Drysdale got rid of his animals. Do we know where they are? We do not. Um, the whole. So we don't know where these lions that killed a tiger are. We don't. Like they're somewhere in Ontario. We have no idea. All he would say is that they are uh, with a friend who also has a roadside zoo. He refused to say who. The municipality of Hastings Highland, when we asked, do you know where the animals are? Uh, they said, no, they just know that they had been moved to a uh, safe place. The, the authorities don't know. The Toronto Zoo doesn't know. The pause officers from the provincial level, they don't know. This whole thing is insane, Grant. It is different. I mean, the, <laughs> it's a very polite way to put it. I mean, even the circumstances of Tamara's death, I mean, Mr. Drysdale and his now ex-wife Tammy went for a drive that day. Tamara had been, he says, left in this common area adjacent to the lion enclosure. There's an incident that happens between Mr. Drysdale and uh, Mrs. then Mrs. Drysdale. Uh, he ends up being charged and later he pled guilty to assault, forcible confinement and uh, illegal possession of a firearm. Uh, and whilst he was in police custody, and while this is all happening, is when the tiger is killed. When he arrives a few days later, he apparently he says he buries her, or the next day he buries her with a uh, like a backhoe. He digs a shallow grave and, and puts the body in there on site. And then shortly thereafter, the animals are sent somewhere else, he says, and the entire complex, the entire enclosures, uh, was dismantled. There is a legitimate safety issue, both for the animals and for the public here. And there is this patchwork only of local bylaws that seem to hold these these kind of places in this ownership at bay. Without those, it would entirely be the Wild West. And it seems that the provincial government just has no inclination of going down the road of the rest of the country and putting a ban on private ownership of these animals. Well, thank you for sharing this with us. And thank you and uh, Sarah for your work on this piece. A lot of people just had their eyes opened. <laughs> thank you for having me again. It's a pleasure as always. Grant LaFleche on the investigative team at the Toronto Star. That was The Big Story. You can find more from us, yes, at thebigstorypodcast.ca. You can also find us on Twitter at thebigstoryfpn. You can write to us and tell me about your Ontario exotic animal encounters at thebigstorypodcast, that's all one word, at rci.rogers.com. And you can find us in every single podcast player you could possibly imagine I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. Have a safe weekend. We are off Monday for Family Day. We'll be back Tuesday, but keep tuned to the feed because we might have a little surprise for you. <laughs>